Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Really Welcome back to the Really 007 podcast for this bonus episode looking at the documentary Being James Bond, The Daniel Craig Story. Mm, I'm not sure I'm not sure what we're going to say tonight about this, but I'm really, really looking forward to chatting it through with the lads. Anyway, before we get to that, there are various places you can find our podcast to listen in and follow, including iTunes and Spotify, and you can actually listen on our website with our Pod Dojo network. Just type in Really 007. We've also got a YouTube channel where you can get the added bonus of not only seeing people like Trina Parks and John Glenn, who we've done recent interviews with, but you can also see what we look like too, just in case you wanted to. Keep sharing our episodes, and once again, thank you for rating and recommending us. We are also spouting nonsense on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, so give us a follow on there. A special shout-out tonight to prominent Bond fan, Gert, Gert, Hmm. and uh, Waterink. Great to uh, see you on, on Twitter and have these uh, amazing chats with you on there. Hopefully we'll be seeing you very soon. So thank you for your support. But tonight, without further ado, I am joined by our regular contributors, Chris Goldiefinger Goldie. Evening. And Math Pickup. Good evening, Tom. But people, please don't worry. Don't worry. You're thinking about talking about Craig's legacy in this documentary. It isn't just the three of us. Don't worry. Because we've brought in a a less biased voice, hopefully, in the form of Mr. Tom Butler from the James Bond A to Z podcast. So thank you, Tom, for joining us tonight. Oh, pleasure is all mine. Thank you for having me. Thanks for inviting me on. Absolutely, Tom. Absolutely. So yes, Tom, in your day job, you're involved in the media, but you've also started in the last year uh, a James Bond podcast. That's right. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a film journalist by trade, and um, this January just gone at the midst of like the most awful lockdown. We launched our podcast, which I think a lot of people did. It's the James Bond said podcast, something we taught, I've been toying with for a long time and uh, it just all of a sudden had all the time to be able to do it and dedicate to it. So, uh, yeah, we kicked off in January and it's an encyclopedic look at the people behind the James Bond films. Um, so it's it's really about the making of and, and, and really just celebrating the, the like the hundreds of people 
responsible for these uh, amazing films and then along the way we do um sort of specials on the films themselves and various characters have got specials like we did one on blofeld and um we're up to the letter d now some good films in d right it's a lot in d isn't yeah. it diamonds are forever episodes, yeah <laughs> Diamond of the day and then we got, yeah i know right and then Do- and then dr no as well coming up so um yeah there's it's a mixed bag <laughs> <laughs> Doctor No's good, don't worry. We, we like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Uh, the others are a bit more controversial. We've done Diamonds Are Forever on Hour podcast with License to Queer. Dying of the Day, though, that's going to be a fascinating one. Yeah, you, you've got yours out there, so superb stuff. Yeah, I listened Endlessly to your Diamonds Are Forever one. It was, um, it was quite an epic slog. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did you have a week off? Work? I, week. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was driving to, uh, yeah, to, to the south of Spain. Um <laughs> But no, I thought it was really good. Uh, I think, um, yeah, is it, what's the guy from Licensed Queer called? Is he David? Mm. David. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot of really interesting stuff to say. So, uh, yeah, I mm. thought he was a great guest. A really good one to have on for that. Uh, but yeah, a real, a real um, divisive film, that one. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to go through all these Bonds eventually. It might take us years and years and years. In terms of your relationship with James Bond, you obviously said you wanted to do this podcast of yours for quite a while. But when did you first get into James Bond? Uh, I think like most people uh, in the UK, the sort of the, the began with the ITV uh, bank holiday weekend type showings of the films. So Roger Moore, Sean Connery, and then obviously then um, when Pierce Brosnan came out with uh, GoldenEye, that was really, that hit me at the, at the best, at the perfect age yeah. to see the film. So that was really my uh, cinematic introduction. Um, and so his first sort of three sort of four films really like cemented the reputation of you know the films for me and then i've just sort of gone on to just yeah discover them more and more over the years and um and now working professionally within the industry i've sort of had some brushes with the films as well and so that's always a a genuine thrill um to be able to speak to these people and i mean you've done all you've done a lot of this as well recently it's um it's it's really exciting to speak to the people who've put their hearts and souls into these things and and, and learn more about them so uh, yeah it was just really a passion project and there's just obviously it's such a rich world you've got 25 film well 27 films if you count in the uh, yeah, yeah the love child <laughs> and um and then just so many amazing people involved even when you we, we do like different people from behind the scenes and sometimes you'll pick a name and it'll be just some innocuous person behind the scenes and they'll have had the most amazing career mm. and, and james bond is just a very small part of that which has just been it's just been amazing like i think it's such an important part of the british film industry and it's you know it's uh, tentacles spread far and wide um and it really just touches on i mean it's just a part of film history isn't it so um yeah this is a fascinating topic from top to bottom so many angles you can come at it from as well and you said there you thought the first three and a bit Brosnans were good. So does that does that mean he's your favourite James Bond? Well, good question. Um, I will always say Roger Moore is my favourite because, um, yeah, I think he just has the most fun films. And I think that's what I want from a James Bond film is a sense of fun. Um, and so, yeah, Roger Moore is, is my favourite. But yeah, I've got a soft spot for all of them. They all have a place in my heart. <laughs> good, good. You, Even you David like the more Niven. serious ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Underrated, yeah. You obviously grew up in that sort of same time that we did, uh, watching them at the cinema, did you? Is that the first ones you saw Gold, at the cinema? GoldenEye, Golden yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Class. Is that your favourite film? I would say so. If I had to do a top five, like right now on the spot, Goldeneye would always generally come at number one, but only because it's the one I've seen the most as well. Like I, I can't even imagine the times I've watched that film because every time I put it on, it's great. It just it, it zips mm. by from start to finish. I think Goldfinger's top five, Honor Majesty's Secret Service's top five, Spy Love Me, and I'm going to say License to Kill. Um, and I know I'm in. I mean, I know I'm in safe hands <laughs> yeah, uh, with, yeah. uh, with the License to Kill, but that is a film hey. that grows on me every time I see mm. it. So um, yeah, it just gets better and better, doesn't it? Yeah, so that's a good top five. That that really is. But that's in any order, and also ask me next week, and it'll be something different. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We are fair enough. We are a bit down on the last few films, but it doesn't mean we don't like them. It's just you know the previous twenty we're obsessed with, I suppose. Yeah. Well, nineteen. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest, I didn't, I wasn't even aware of this documentary until very recently. Uh, this uh, this James Bond story, this Daniel Craig story. And I guess because of the pandemic, the producers have had to hold off promoting No Time to Die and they've, they've had one thing ready and then they've had to stop, stop, start. So it's been pretty difficult for them. But I think now, surely it's going to come out because you, they wouldn't be releasing things like this. I hear that uh, the... It might be uh, by the time this goes to air, it might have happened, but I hear that quite a few of the cast, including Daniel Craig, are going on the sofa at Graham Norton. So there's things like this that are going to happen, which makes me very, very, very hopeful that it is going to be played out at the cinema, of course, on the 30th of September. I know the US audiences won't get it until a week later, which is going to be an interesting week in terms of spoilers. Even worse for the Australians, though. They don't get it till November. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, that's that's that difficult window is when... You know, they might have to think about streaming, but I don't think they're going to do it. No. I think that in cinemas only, wasn't it, in the last little trailer, said it all. So, yes. But, yes, tonight we're going to talk about uh, Daniel Craig, of course, and his tenure as Bond with this documentary. No other actor, of course, playing Bond has had an official send-off. And whilst it was well known, first of all, that Sean was pretty much fed up by the time of You Only Live Twice, the producers were sort of more concerned, well, who's going to who's going to sort of replace him? Because we've got a franchise to, to get on with. And... You know, the next one came out in the same, well, two years later, didn't it? Uh, which was the same gap between Thunderball and You Only Live Twice. So after, of course, then George unexpectedly refused to return, they quickly got Sean back. And even though they knew that was going to be his last film, there wasn't really the appetite for a send-off again because they didn't want, I think, to make it all about Sean. They knew they had to get a, get a move on. And, of course, Roger was crucial in getting that new lease of life for the franchise. He didn't get a real send-off either. He got a, perhaps a little bit more because I think he'd been saying he was going to leave for the last <laughs> few and he probably mainly for money. He was itching for a bit more money each time. And by the time of View to a Kill, it was definitely, you know, it was decided that was going to be a last. But I don't think I'm aware of some sort of big big send-off because as we've seen, we've talked about The Living Daylights, a lot of the scripts could fit Roger Moore, some of it, and they sort of moulded it around Pierce Brosnan and then Timothy Dalton. So clearly... There's a, there's a pattern, basically, the franchise comes first and they're trying to fit the actors around it, which then came to a head, of course. Timothy Dalton, there was the, the big gap, the legal problems, so he was never going to get a goodbye, and he sort of left quietly in the midst of all this, didn't he? So Pierce, though, is the one... I think, you know, we've seen a bit of reaction to the, this documentary online, and it, it does wrangle some fans that Pierce never got a send-off. In fact, he was pretty much sacked, so... There is that. Uh, there is that that happened, and 
Yeah, and here we are, of course, now with with Daniel Craig leaving. And basically, this this is a sort of love letter to Daniel Craig. This documentary, it doesn't focus so much on all the aspects of the films. It doesn't particularly focus on, say, Judy Dench. Well, it does a little bit. It doesn't really focus on anybody else because it's just forty five minutes condensed uh, about the four films and. Before anyone gets worried, there aren't really any spoilers in the in the documentary about No Time to Die. There's a few little shots here and there. In terms of the style, though, the, it's basically just... It, I don't know whether they sat around and filmed it or just had a chat, but it's Daniel Craig chatting to the producers, Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson, about his journey. And you don't see them. Mm. You just you just see all the footage that, that goes over it uh, with sort of news pieces, media appearances, the films. And there's a few nice little behind-the-scenes nuggets, such as his first uh, test screening. I don't think it was the first one, though, because, of course, they would do the, the traditional From Bush With Love, wouldn't they, the, the one they always do. But this was like the first screening with uh, a, test, a test Vespa, wasn't it, it looked like? Yeah. And it wasn't Eva Green who was doing it. Yeah, so there's not, there's not much on his background, anything like that. It's not a biography, and it doesn't go into his other films other than uh, Barbara sort of saying, yes, we like this, we saw him in this, that was good. First of all, then, the casting. The casting is the first sort of bit of the documentary. The introduction was quite a sort of, I don't know, it felt quite sad. It had sad piano music and it was <laughs> sort of, I don't, <laughs> Tom, help me out here. It, it was a bit, Well, the, hang on, we feel a bit sorry for him, yeah. the, the initial reception, wasn't it? Yeah, well, the kick-off with the, um, the, 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 the newsreel footage of him being announced as Bond, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's setting up the story in that you know it's it's an, he succeeded as bond against all odds and that's a well trodden story right with um uh, with this particular film you know the blonde bond and uh, craig not bond it's such a well known story um uh, they couldn't have couldn't have avoided it i think what was a little bit jarring is the way that they had this pap shot of him coming out of the sea as this big turning point <laughs> which I don't remember it being a big turning point. Yeah, people liked the picture, but I think it was the release of the film that um, that turned people's heads to to, to Daniel Craig. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a narrative, and uh, and it's obviously you've just got to remember it's a marketing tool. And I think the important thing to remember for this is that in America, if you saw the tra- the, the recent US or in, I think it's called the US trailer, it really plays on the legacy of these five films. And it's saying there is a journey, there is a narrative, and this is just another reinforcement of that. And you've se- we've seen it before in, say, um, you know, Avengers Endgame or mm. Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. It's very much this is the, the this is a, a reason to buy the ticket to go because this is the final chapter of this story. So it's it's just a well a well trodden marketing tool, isn't it? So. Um, but it is interesting. You're right that this is the first time we've got, had someone, one of the actors, getting a, a proper send off. Um, but um, yeah, I think it was ready for release last year. This documentary in a longer form. I, I heard rumours that there was feature length version of it. But um, whether that will see the day, uh, light of day, who knows? But yeah, it's an interesting narrative that they start with. Yeah. So obviously that's that's kind of familiar to us about the um, the cold reception um, that he that he received and. You know some pretty some pretty horrible stuff that 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 he said. You know he, which you can understand. He, it's pretty harrowing. He he read. You know one night he just sort of read it all online, and it was pretty pretty crushing. I think in some ways he might be quite grateful that 
social media wasn't as big as uh, as as big as it is now because just imagine yeah. you know so who knows what the next actor might might kind of receive I, th- I thought I've always thought that the criticism on on the boats was uh, it when there's been criticism on the boat has been very harsh because the fact that he was wearing a life jacket and people like Bond shouldn't wear a life jacket like you do know he's a, you do know he's an actor he's a real person so he's on a boat so he has to wear, uh, and all the Royal Marines are wearing life jackets yeah I know, well. I know, I know yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely ridiculous so I thought that was uh, that was unfair I think maybe the subsequent press conference mm. certainly the bit that they showed he was a little bit prickly and maybe that didn't help him too much you know he sh- I think if it were now maybe and you were you know you were giving someone some kind of PR you know briefing beforehand you'd say just come out say how much you love it and it's always been your dream or something like that that's what happens normally when someone takes on a big role they, they normally say they either oh you know I've always been a fan of the books or I've always been a fan of the comic books if it's a you know they don't say oh I was a fan of the previous incarnation of the you know they don't say anything like that but yeah obviously it was a reminder that was all stuff and and, and you know it, it was that was going on behind the scenes and then the kind of the tide began to turn I think with some of those you know the shots of him coming out the water etc and then when the film came on I, I can't make my mind up as to whether the negative thing well you know they say that the the first film sorry to jump ahead but would have done better had it not had that negative and I can't I don't know whether I that possibly is right, but I, I, I also wonder if sometimes when you've had such a negative and then something turns out to be good, that makes it even better, if you know what I mean, and, and gives it more of a more of some kind of platform. But I, I think you're yeah, right. I think I that know. kind of lowering of expectations often helps with films. You know, if if you've been sold, the media is banging on about that this is James Bland, and you know he's like, you know, like I say, he was really below the belt. He's ugly. He's you know, he's rough looking. All these, all those things. For the film to come out and, and you know, mm. and to have, you know, safe pair of hands with Martin Campbell and for it to, to be really good, I think that really did. And I think, like I say, it does a bit of disservice when I think it's Michael Wilson says, doesn't he? He says, oh, you know, it did good business. You know, he was, he sort of downplayed it, I thought. I thought, hang on a minute, you know, <laughs> this is, you know, he did. <laughs> really good business because you know, this is you know our first mm. first Bond film yeah, and also really the first well. Bond film that was very Super. different to the previous incarnation. But yeah, I think that, I think the documentary mm. itself is you know kind of trying to watch it you know separate it as a documentary as well as what your feelings are towards sort of Daniel Craig and those films. I think it was quite an interesting documentary because, like you say, the, the the use of behind the scenes you know footage, the clips really worked really well. I thought it was really engaging, but the audio—I don't know if that was a, if that was a, again was a, um, a, a, a an artistic choice to not have them on screen. You know, was it recorded for a podcast? Was it recorded? But it sort of made actually. Craig came across as quite laid back. He seemed quite relaxed, which was quite quite nice to hear. And also, it was a really—it feels like it was a real opportunity mm. for him to sort of clear the air. You know, with all this kind of everything that sort of you know the slit mm. of the wrist and yeah. all that, yeah. he made it. It was there was very strongly pointed. Yeah, yeah. We were definitely going to hit on this. We'll get on to that. from various kind of media <laughs> again on that. So I, yeah, I, I definitely think his publicist deserves a raise for this. I think he, he comes out much better for this. Whether that's intentional or whether it is just you know an opportunity for for you know. Uh, Barbara and and Michael just to say, look how great he's been. We love him. But then it sort of does occasionally tip over into uh, it gets a little bit uncomfortable. It's like, uh, okay, you know, get a room. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought it was quite interesting that they didn't mention because 
you know, she said that Elizabeth. the first time she saw him, I can't remember what which film it was exactly. You know, Elizabeth. Yeah, Elizabeth. Yeah. So obviously, he's yeah. he's a fairly minor Brilliant character film. in that. But um, yeah. you know, and she said I'd only ever seen him as a he'd only ever been a supporting character before. Which and they didn't show anything from Layer Cake when mm-hmm. you know Layer right. Cake is very clearly the the sort of the leading man mm-hmm. in that. And I just mm-hmm. wondered whether that was just to support that thing that they'd really seen that he was a supporting actor. Yeah, I think yeah. it was. I think the, it, it wasn't felt, that obvious. Mm, it felt quite manipulative. The, the the documentary, you know, it knew when to sort of pull the heartstrings. It knew what to say. It felt like it was, it was following a script that that, that this is what that this is the portrayal of of Daniel Craig for good or bad. But yeah, I, I, I sort of that, that moment when she said, as he walked down that corridor, he was the most charismatic actor I've seen on screen. I did have to. I was a bit like, <laughs> how many films mm, have you yeah. seen, Barbara? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Come on. well it's it's interesting you say that because there's a bit later where they're talking about the shower scene and how he had Mm. uh, how he had given notes on like you know they should be fully clothed (laughs) and i think she calls it the most beautiful scene in any movie (laughs) yeah and i was thinking that's uh yeah 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 that's quite a quite bold claim Um, obviously there was never going to be any focus on you know dine of the day and all there's no no point going over that. The only there's only one reference to Pierce Brosnan. It was from it was from Daniel Craig early on, when he sort of said he was a bit of an outsider getting the role. He said um, he hadn't really done anything suave and sophisticated like Pierce had done with Remington Steel and Roger had done in The Saints. I was a harder sell. Well, I'm not I'm not sure about that. I, I think he's more on about the image of himself in the public eyes. Yeah, I think. Yeah, rather than yeah. He's yeah. probably talking about that, you know, that whole effect where, you know, someone goes on British TV and they're wearing a suit in a, in a drama. Yeah. That becomes, yeah. oh, he's the next James Bond. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. And he Bridgerton. hasn't done any of yeah. that. But they do sort of reference Die Another Day because they talk about the films being too fantastical. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and they also say that, yeah, and they also say, you know, we couldn't have changed it with anyone else, which, again, I would... The franchise has changed tack with the same actor before, so it could have been done. Yeah. We don't, we'll never know the real truth behind why Pierce Brosnan left. I mean... He wanted too much money, probably. We'll see. He did have two more, didn't he? I saw one of these, uh, I think it was the 40th anniversary tribute where pretty much everyone was there. Obviously, Sean wasn't there. But it was, you know, sort of promoting Dying of the Day as well. And it spoke to all all the other actors, I think. And on that point, they sort of, are you going to do it again? You know, Michael Parkinson. And he, <laughs> if you didn't know, that was Michael Parkinson. And he's like, yeah, sure. You know, we've hopefully got one or two more he's contracted for or something. So, yeah, you're right. I don't... There's, there is some sort of gentleman's agreement, I think, that it, it's no, there's no point as the coming out in public yet, uh, for a while at least. Well, maybe he'll do some tell-all book. Something had to change. We, like we've said before, you can change, and you've just said it now, Tom, you can change the tone of the film without throwing everything out. But yeah, I think it was it was more the critical reception, obviously, to Down of the Day than the yeah, I think box that's, office. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But, no, yeah. I was going to say quite that telling I'm as well. very much about Sorry, critics' reception that they t- talked about rather than box office. When, like I say, previously it was always you know measured on how successful it was. Down of the Day was up to that, you know, it was Pierce Brosnan's biggest Bond film. Yeah, obviously the criticism is what made them think, actually, this is not where we want mm. to go. But instead of doing what they did with, you know, with Roger Moore, with, you know, Moonraker to be your eyes only, decided, no, let's bring it to an end. And then you can see how Barbara has sort of become, maybe, <laughs> you know, slightly infatuated with him. I think there's this, she's definitely has, you know, she's, you know, is a big fan of Daniel Craig. 
you know, in terms of his performance. She sees him as this grand actor, you know, the, the fact that she thinks he's the most charismatic actor of, of all time says a lot, you know, whether you agree that or not, I think, you know, there are other players in that. And I just think that, that very much they, they, they decided actually we want to, we want to play up. I know you can see that now. You can see the fact that you went with Sam Mendes, the fact that they got, you know, an Oscar winning, you know, all these screenwriters that come on board. That was the tact that they wanted. That was the track they wanted to go down rather than let's just make it bigger and better and please the audience and make it fantastic. And there's no shame in either of those, but there is that conflict, I think, at times with, with Bond is, is trying to please everyone. She will always back her own horse, though, I think. And something me and Tom spoke about offline was that, you know, this is her bond. This is the one that she made the decision on. And so she's she obviously is. And yeah, infatuated with him. But like, but as an actor, as the front, uh, the the centerpiece of their franchise. And Mm -hmm. they say it right at the end of the documentary. Now, she can't imagine the franchise without Daniel. And that to me speaks a lot about you know, the fear that they have going into the next iteration, mm-hmm. you know, they're both, neither are getting any younger. Um, and it's whether or not they can strike gold again. I think that's the big question mark hanging over them. And obviously something that was probably playing on their mind throughout, you know, no time to die, which they say you know, they knew was going to be the last one. Something else as well to note at the end of the section on, on Casino Royale, it's quite strange, but they make this mm-hmm. big deal about how they conquered China with the film, which to me seemed a bit out of place but then again, when you remember, like, this is a marketing tool and they're also probably trying to appeal to China again with this film, even that sort of, you know, putting that mention in there is a way of saying, you know, it's a really important market for us. Mm-hmm. And again, just reminds you that, oh, yeah, this is a marketing tool. This isn't a documentary. This is something um, yeah. a bit different. You'd scrap that line, wouldn't you? You wouldn't, you wouldn't leave a line in, we can't imagine life after Daniel. You know, if it was a general documentary on the franchise, if it came out on the DVD, it's designed, like you say, it was much like that with the Rise of Skywalker trailers, wasn't it? Like, see the the old gang for the last time on the screen, see see Daniel Craig in his final ever Bond role, and, you know, who knows what's going to happen next. Obviously, as soon as it comes out, well, in a normal world, there'd be, like, a bit more celebration. It'd come out on Blu-ray or whatever... And then it'd be like, right, let's announce the new Bond and we get we get on the, the train yeah. again. But yeah, by the end of it, it was like I was expecting to be Daniel Craig, 1968 to 2020. It was like yeah. the, the way the music and the choice of music, that, you know, this is the music from, <laughs> you know, Her Majesty's so This is Tracy's death, the music. Well, on. It was yeah. very, it was on the nose. And, and obviously, they were, you know, they were, they, were, they were really playing that up. But I was surprised just how kind of, downbeat it felt at the end i thought you know i i I loved pierce brosnan and when he didn't come back i was like i was a bit gutted but i was also really excited about what are the possibilities of the next bond who they're going to cast what direction it's going to go and this feels like it's an end of an era we're all feeling very sad Mm. you know here's some footage of him crying and i'm you know and good you know i don't sort of I think that's great. You know, I think clearly he he's, he was Bond for 15 years, you know, working, like he says, he worked with these people for that, that period of time. I wouldn't expect anything less from a human being to get upset there. Um, but it does feel a little bit on the nose and it's very much like, say, that kind of narrative of, you know, actually he's a really good guy. And I just felt that actually, I think naturally he, he does come across as quite, you know, quite 
you know, down to earth at, at times. You know, he's able to sort of criticise the films, which I thought was interesting that he does talk about, you know, Quantum of Solace. But yeah, by the end of it, I, I didn't feel like, yes, I can't wait for the next iteration. Of the next, who's going to be Bond next? You know, it doesn't end with... You know, it makes yeah. it like... <laughs> You know, wiping a solitary tear from your cheek, and I just thought, oh, yeah. right, well, yeah, yeah, that's what they're playing at, you know. But I guess that 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 is, you know, for for fans mm. of this era, um, yeah, it's yeah, another yeah. incentive. This is the last time I'm going to get to see him in the cinema mm. on the big screen. So for Catching that you purpose, can. you know, if you're behind him, <laughs> then it's great. If you're not, then it does, uh, you know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Mm. But talking of the criticism, obviously Quantum of Solace is the is the next step on the on the journey in the documentary. And you're right, I think they do approach it with a certain amount of honesty. Yeah, he calls it the troubling second album syndrome, mm. which again I think is not quite the case with this film because no, I, I mean I, I think just to talk about it on, you know in general, it, it's clear that they they recognise there were issues with both Quantum of Solace and Spectre, mm-hmm. but they sort of address them in different ways. You know, they blame the writer strike. It, uh, you know the writer strike for the um, the issues on Quantum of Solace, which is a perfectly valid you know perfectly valid reason which contributed to it, but maybe not all of it. Uh, and then for Spectre, you know they blame on his injury largely. So yeah, I don't know. It, it you know it wasn't completely honest about every everything to do with, it, but it was only forty five minutes. So let's not forget. And I did I did expect it to be more promotion for No Time to Die than it actually was. They'll probably do that more mm. with the the guest appearances, won't they? And they, they, there's got this podcast out as well now, so there'll probably be a bit more of that. And to be honest, like we've just said before, they're a bit worried now that the, the film won't be out in all territories at the same time, so they've got to be a bit careful that way. I mean, there's, there's a lot of the Bond films when they've come out, you've almost known, if you'd watched the trailer, right, well, I know I can see about three or four set pieces... I can see a few characters, and you did. You have got that a bit with the the trailer so far. The other thing about casting that Barbara Broccoli said was, we only wanted him. The only problem was that he didn't want to do it. It was more tied into that. Almost, he was above the material at one stage, and we had to lure him in to do something less arty, I suppose, because he was more of a traditional thespian than well, Pierce Brosnan certainly. But you know, we have we have had Timothy Dalton, where we always champion him, mm-hmm. who was uh, on the, of, of the same ilk, I suppose, mm. as Daniel Craig. I don't know. I think it again, it sells it well, doesn't it? It's like this guy was so good, we we discovered him and we made him realise that he he is Bond and he was the Bond that we wanted to go down this direction with. Yeah, I, I think it feels like this is very much about him growing. As a as a movie star, you know, he he didn't, you know. I suppose the spin is they're trying to do is that he didn't feel that he could do this role just as an, an, enough. That he wasn't he was an actor, you know. And then, like you say, they don't talk about him being a lead actor, talking about him being a supporting actor. But I've seen him, you know, I was excited because I'd seen him in so many great films, as the, you know, as lead or you know, certainly kind of sharing the screen with the lead, you know, the, like the, the you know the Francis mm. Bacon films and and you know Mother and all those, you know, he has a great Tomb Raider, he has a yeah. fantastic back catalogue. But I think that that he very much plays that he didn't have enough confidence in pulling this off. But by the end of it. He did, and he was able to show everyone. And obviously, there's that bit where he says that he sits down at his laptop and looks on social media and looks at all these websites, and he's all like, I'll show them. That, again, is part of what we're being sold, that he was able to sort of overcome this. 
I don't I don't buy for a second that he didn't think he could do it. I think I think he probably thought either it's not for me or I don't think I can pull this off, you know, as in terms of do I want that? And and also later on you hear him talking about that you know being in the limelight, you know, having people like he says, you know, paparazzi's in the trees and you know closing his curtains and you know that kind of stuff. It must be really tough. But you know <laughs> There are harder jobs out there, and he is quite well paid. And, you know, it is difficult to be sympathetic, you know, in the current state of things. But I understand where he's coming from. And I think that, that you know, it, it, I think it's fair enough. But I think we've very much been kind of sold a, a, a particular narrative with, with Daniel Craig. Whether you believe it or not, it, it's that's that's what this documentary is. Like, like Tom was saying, it is it's very much a marketing piece. But for, the, for the better or worse, it was really good to see all that footage and to hear him talk about it in a quite relaxed manner i like the uh, image of the paparazzi buried in the sand <laughs> yeah. oh yeah night. yeah yeah <laughs> who did he get did he bury uh, that was but, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little uh, like um, uh, bucket on his head so that he could just pop it up. And... <laughs> yeah, that was extraordinary. Ingenious. <laughs> but I will just say this: I know that obviously you're saying you know being in the limelight, you know, can it be that bad? But like the the James Bond role is one of the few roles where like the whole of the almost the whole success of it rests on your shoulders. Mm. We, on our podcast, we talked about it being almost like being the England manager. It's a job that everyone wants but no one wants to do. And, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the like the fate of uh, whatever comes your way is largely almost out of your hands as well because you look at Pierce Brosnan, probably the, one of the best Bonds to ever play the role, and he was just belt, dealt a bum, uh, bum hand for, like, the end of his uh, end of his tenure. But um, I think it must have been hard. And he uh, he talk, obviously talks about, you know, the, the scrutiny that he came under. Um, and I think he was just content with being a character actor. Uh, not every actor wants to be... You know, some actors are just happy to be working, right? And I, th- I get the sense that possibly he was that sort of guy. Made his bed, and um, there we go. Now we're seeing the end of the, the end results of it. He did, to be fair, unlike the other actors. The other actors went into it without, you know, having something to prove, really, did they? Yes, like Roger Moore, it's a massive deal. Lazenby, who the heck is this guy? There's an awful lot of pressure on him, massive pressure. But this was sort of active dislike by... I think Barbara said in the documentary, you know, why were the press sort of focusing on just a website created by a bunch of students? But it carried, didn't it? It stuck. Mm. Still going today, so they must still agree with that. So. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, it, Pierce sort of, he was loved when he was Bond. There was never a period when it was like, oh gosh, get rid of him. He's, he's too old now, or he's, he's past it. Yes, there was a little bit of that with uh, Roger Moore, but it was more like, I think the audience would have been more like, oh, I hope he just stays on for one more. I know he's a bit old, but I'd rather he, you know, we, what we know is is better. So to to give him, you know, his due. But I, I don't equally. I don't think he's ever had the Roger Moore tells tales of you know kids come up to him and oh you're James Bond and you're James Bond. I just can't, I don't know how much of that he's had where. But then children his, and but families. His, his films aren't aimed at kids, are they? Like well, that's it. Were. It's, 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 it's a different, different role, isn't it? It's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? It's a yeah. different level of scrutiny that he's that he's under, and it also he yeah. doesn't make himself available. I think that 
maybe you know puts a different light on it roger you know wanted to be not wanted to be the center of attention but was the showman and was happy to be Mm. the front man for this thing you look at dalton and dalton's almost quite similar in his approach to being bond you know he was very sort of you know this is the work and everything else is is irrelevant whereas roger you know stepped up and and really became that ambassador for it in a way that connery you know never wanted to Mm. um but uh yeah it's it's a tricky one isn't it but um I think the stuff that they show of him like really struggling with with quantum, I think I feel like there is some truth to that, you know, him struggling with the scrutiny and with the physicality of it. Um, in fact, the stuff that they show in the documentary for quantum really made me want to watch it again. Yeah. did a really really good job <laughs> mm. of showing some really cool bits from that film and also yeah. the, just the the idea that you know how much physicality he put into it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I've never really thought about it before. Uh, for that film and him you know the other actors talk about you know um dalton talks about it a lot you know doing a lot of the stunts for himself but i never really considered like how much daniel craig puts into it and i think those clips from quantum do a a lot of work in terms of saying yeah he really does there's that clip of him jumping off the balcony yeah that was so impressive yeah with the i mean he he had a wire on but i mean it's it's really it's really impressive and yeah it, it did it did hammer it home for me how much of the uh how much of the stunts he, he did for for well for all his films? Although it, it seems particularly for I always think of it more for Casino Royale and um, and particularly yeah Quantum from from the footage that they showed. Sorry, Tom, carry on. No, that was it. I guess it just all plays into the narrative of the of the story, though, doesn't it? It's like you know I threw myself into the stunts, and that sort of deflects away from the quality of the of the film that film was hamstrung right for by the right strike and, mm. and there's no there's no getting around that but you know barbara concedes that she she th- still thinks it's a good film and like all james bond films, there is stuff to enjoy in that film right it's like yeah, you know definitely. it's a, at least it's a short film that's uh, something yeah, like well, yeah. <laughs> well it's, it's unusual though isn't it you i i mean we're saying i think before that there isn't an there wasn't equivalent sort of Robert Downey Jr. having his own documentary about just him as the role in Iron Man after loads more films and a similar probably fifteen year period or whatever. But I can't imagine them going over them Marvel like yeah that one wasn't as good and this one wasn't as good and sorry about this one you know it's it's quite a bold thing to be fair to sort of be apologetic hmm. over it. But I, I would say you know I wouldn't have mind if they'd have just been like you know a hagiography basically and just said this is brilliant that was brilliant. Oh, how good was this bit? How good was that bit? Because they're trying to sell this to non-diehard fans like us as well, aren't they? They're, they're hoping that on Apple TV, people will be like, "Oh, I'm looking forward to New Bond. Oh, I'll watch that." And they they won't they won't remember things like the injuries, the writer strikes. No, you know, they'll, they'll remember the slashing the wrist comments. So I think that's the one thing that had to be addressed, mm. and that seems to be what a major driving force driving force behind the whole documentary for me that. This is his chance to sort of say, sorry, not 100% sorry, but this is the mitigation for what I did and what I said, and there was context. And they sort of did that quick, you know, asking him the same question, are you going to carry on, are you going to carry on? But, you know, that's that's what all of them, you know, would have been asked at various points. I don't know. I think it, it, the, the caught between two stools in either being completely positive about it or just saying what a load of rubbish those journalists are because they've got to play to the media. You know, they, they want the media to like this, and they they didn't go overboard in the oh, you critics, you were wrong. What a bunch of idiots, were they? They they tried to have it both sides. So it is quite a difficult thing to play. I think. Mm. And interesting that in, in his final scene when he wraps up, you know, he he even says to the assembled crew, 
you know, um, regardless of what you've heard me say about the films or whatever, mm. which I think is such a bold and weird mm. thing for him to mention, like when yeah. he's trying to do this heartfelt um, goodbye at the end, like I, that to me, um, yeah, I just thought that was unusual. It strikes me that maybe, I don't know, it is something that they uh, still talk about on yeah. set. There's a lot of know. damage yeah, yeah. control there, isn't there? There's yeah. a lot of kind of, oh, gosh, right, let's all assemble and how can we how can we sort this out? He said something, which, like he says, to be fair, you know, I think he put it into really good context when he said that, you know, as you're finishing a marathon, if someone said, do you want to run another mm. marathon? Yeah, yeah. You say, no, I completely understand that. But he doesn't, again, I feel that, that, that he doesn't do himself any favours. And I think that, yeah. I think because of his, and I suppose if you just sort of trace it back to, you know, you know, when he was cast, you know, he, he didn't, didn't play the game, you know. And I think mm. if you don't get on the side of the, of, of the media and the fans, it's really difficult to win yeah. the back. No matter how good you are, no matter how good the films are, it's always going to be an uphill struggle. Yeah. And he has. And, it, and you know, fair dues, he has put it in. You know, but then you know, on one hand, it's like it's great he's been really physical in this role and done all the stunts. But the other side, he could say no, and that's why there's a whole stunt team who can then take over from yeah, yeah. him. Mm. You know, it, it, there are choices, and I think good for him for you know stepping up and and and, and doing that. It is a straight. It's a very very strange documentary to watch because <laughs> I feel like there's so much subtext, so much going on there that it's difficult to sort of translate it on one watch because i feel like it's like being subtweeted mm. and not knowing <laughs> what it was originally that you were got someone annoyed he's trying to say to you it's like hang on a minute i missed that i, th- I think some just in defense though i, I think that you've got to re- also got to remember That's that, what you're here for tom yeah <laughs> is that this documentary isn't although it's made and it's uh, it's something that hardcore fans of james bond will consume and they'll be the first people to watch it the people that they're trying to reach are the people of the mm. casual audience mm. yeah and for the yeah. casual audience who will probably go see every james bond film where they come out but they don't read about it in the press and they don't do this mm. that and the other they'll be the ones that they're reaching with this stuff and this you know this feeling that there's a that there's a bad relationship between daniel craig and the fans is only really for a very small portion of fans that do a podcast called Really to Best Seven Nights. <laughs> 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 it's that effort. I, I, but do you know what I mean? It's like the people, yeah. like, say if my mum was watching it, you know, she would just like, this would be a great story for her. She'd really yeah. enjoy all the twists yeah. and the turns and all that sort of stuff. She'd appreciate Daniel's things and all of this stuff would be totally new to her. And yeah. she's like the target audience for this. Um, the person that goes to the cinema once a year, um, yeah. they're the people that are going to make this film put it wherever it's going to get a box office who knows but like they're the ones mm. that this this documentary is for not necessarily for us the the, the sort of the faith form yeah i i just on the um slashing his wrist comment because that's something you know we've we've quoted a few times and and whatnot and i and i i do get it and i think that analogy was a good one with the uh with the with the marathon um but like you say it's just i don't um he, he sort of shoots himself in the foot and I thought it was really interesting that this sort of Hugh Jackman thing as well, because Hugh Jackman's almost the the opposite end of the. You know, he's so charming and so charismatic, and and there's no way you so know if, if at the end of say <laughs> X Men: Days of Future Past someone said you know is that going to be your last uh, Wolverine? If he he said oh I'd you know I'd rather slash my wrist than do. It. I just can't see that because mm. it's so you know he really loved that role and and, and everything and you know it really the, the, this documentary um you know it, it does come across and. You know, a cynical person might say that, well, it's just for, you know, marketing, etc. But there is a fondness, clear fondness for, for you know, 
for the role that he has and yeah. and for the whole experience. And so you know that that did come across. I, I think it would have been nice, it w- and it would have been better for him it, had we had a bit more of that, a bit more of that throughout his tenure and really promoting how amazing. Even if he always he didn't always feel it, and you know the 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 publicity that you know um sorry not publicity like the intrusion, the press intrusion and, and whatnot must be you know really really not not pleasant at all. But I, I think if he just had a bit more of this positivity towards the role throughout his 15 years, then that might have gone quite a long way. He did the Catherine Tate Nan sketch, didn't he? So <laughs> yeah, is that not good? That, that, yeah. <laughs> that, that was only a few though, months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> don't really mention that. I don't know why. But... But it's it, dreadful. It focus. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> not Lasting his fault. Queer. Not his fault at all. He'll defend it. Yeah. 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 No. He. Well, he's not a writer, as he said in the, the documentary. <laughs> isn't he? No, but it's interesting though because it did sort of almost have Skyfall's the peak, didn't mm. it? Of that mm. kind of. It came after he'd said, "Oh, I didn't really sort of appreciate the fans until until I saw Hugh Jackman <laughs> spending a bit of time with them and yeah. signing autographs, which." Great, cheers. Uh, Be nice. At least by the time of Skyfall and um, the Olympics, I think he finally got Mm -hmm. it, and only to lose it again with the slash. I don't think it was intended as his last one. I think it was Spectre, Uh, and it's Barbara who's like, no, no, that wasn't good enough for your last one. I think you should do another one. I I think that's a major reason why he's he's back for this one. Yeah, interesting. I I don't think he's like unappreciative of the fans i just don't think he's the person that engages with them like i think hugh jackman is a special special case someone else that does something similar is you know tom cruise and they're very sort of public focused and um very much like to win hearts and minds with them but um this just this not daniel from like merseyside or whatever that's just not him he's like Mm. you know brought up in a pub and Whereas, you know, Daniel, like Hugh Jackman was born for stage and screen, right? He's like been Broadway musicals like his whole life. This is very much more his, he's the greatest showman, right? So, um, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I think, <laughs> I'm, I think not, it, I'm not saying he should be exactly like Hugh Jackman. I'm just saying a bit more of yeah. the positivity rather than and the showman, saying, yeah, saying yeah. the slash, it's, slashy it's, wrists it's, and, you know, don't ask me that or something, yeah. whatever he said at the press conference or, just, you know. If I asked, if they'd, if Time Out had cut that line from the interview, would we still be talking about it? If he'd said, not at this point, well, I don't, yeah. I'm not making another yeah. one. But that's the thing is that it all it is is it's a it's it's one side of a of a of a point that he's making and it's the just it's the yeah. drama of what he's saying that makes people that sticks in the mind mm. if he just said not at this stage i couldn't see myself doing it yeah. we wouldn't be talking about it now no absolutely so i think it's, it's hard you can't though, you can't just judge him on this one yeah. comment and no. uh, uh, dreadful as it was like you know we've got to i think uh, yeah, in this climate, he'd get in real trouble for sort of suicidal, com- you know, like that. He'd, the press would probably be over it even more, I think. But equally, I don't think he would say it. I think that's, that's fair enough. But he is an adult, and he is, you know, he understands. Like I say, that he's part of the game. It's like you're in the you're you're in front of the press. Say 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 the right things. You smile at the camera, and I think that that I think that's what it doesn't. It didn't really bother me that much, to be honest with you. I was just like, well, you know what? If he doesn't want to do it, it's like, hmm. well, fair enough. But I think I think what's riled so many people is, is that it's like, come on, it's like you paid quite a lot of money. You're in possibly one of the greatest roles in cinema history. Suck it up and smile and say the right the thing. Great, the greatest. The <laughs> greatest. Well, yeah, role. exactly. You know, it is. It is and I think yeah, that's what yeah. really rubbed quite a lot of people the wrong way. Rightly or wrongly, but I can, I can sort of understand why they would be annoyed. Like I say, for me, it's just like, whatever. But I do think that he's paid the big bucks to, to turn up and wave and smile 
and sign the autographs and take the selfies at, at, and meet royalty. For that, he has delivered the three highest grossing James Bond films of all time. So, mm. I mean, not adjusted for inflation. Mm. So, um, to a certain extent, he's done his job and he's taken the money and he's delivered those those but films that works, have though, done well at the that's, box office. That's, that's, I think nowadays, it is, it, most actors, part of the contracts includes all the publicity stuff, doesn't it? It includes all that. Yeah. So, I think that, that I think yeah. that if he just played, like I say, if he just played the game, I think he would be held in much... You'd be, I think a lot of people would feel much fonder towards him, rightly or wrong. Like I say, I'm not like you know. Fair enough. He doesn't want to do that. Fair enough, you know. But I do. Th- I understand why people would be like, oh, you know, Daniel Craig whinging about his millions of pounds and you know playing James Bond and that kind of thing. <laughs> and he's breaking yeah. legs. Then yeah. He, yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a bit. It, it reminded me of um, you know that the kind of the big thing about um, the second series of Extras, which I absolutely love. I absolutely love Extras. But the big thing is that you know. Oh, <laughs> I've had this sitcom commissioned and I'm getting paid, you know, thousands of pounds, but it's not quite what I want it to be, you know, and like a sad ending, you know, when there's like canned laughter. It's like, it's a bit toned down, you know, when you look at it now, it's yeah. a bit, You've a bit done right. peril, you know. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, like I say, I do think, and again, you know, yes, it's it's partly to promote the thing, but he did, it did, it was nice to hear him more relaxed and, you know, chatting and chatting more positively about the role and the and the franchise. And, you know, that, that goes a long way. It perhaps explains why he, it's not a talking heads type documentary. I know yeah. it's something you discussed earlier on, you know, maybe yeah. if the camera's not pointed at him and you're right, it's just a conversation in a room and someone's put a microphone down and then that's a better environment for him. Yeah. And that's perhaps yeah. why he does that. He well, had to address saying that comment and then, oh, so Suddenly, he wants to be Bond again, didn't he? So it they showed a bit of the interview with was it Stephen Colbert, the yeah, where he said uh, he's coming the back, chat show host. Which you know he ha- he was obviously paid to go on the show to sort of say yes, I'm back, but he knew he'd going to get asked what about that comment then, you know, because the, the rumours are in the press that what he was getting 150 or 200 million or something absolutely ridiculous, and you know people they're not thick, they're like well that, that's a coincidence. He he would rather slash his wrist and then there's this money about. He's got to somehow juggle that, and that I think that's the only reason they had to put it in this documentary, because it is still in the public conscious, even if it wasn't fair, if it was a partial quote, even though he has come out and apologised uh, yep. repeatedly for it. It's just good for people to sort of hear it again that, mm. yes, you know, you got me at a bad time, sorry about that, let's move on. Just one more point on this, it's just I think you can't begrudge them for the amount of money that they earn, because that just comes with the territory they've got agents they've got managers they're like you know they have to be seen to be getting more money for these things and yeah you really expect them to do like behave well but like do we expect the same of footballers like possibly not i don't know um yeah i understand that um it's just if he's saying i don't know he'd rather do you know a bit like timothy dalton would say i'd rather do lower paid stage work because it's more it's more me i i don't yeah i do i do agree with you and because he's been made a co-producer as well, you know, he's Barbara and Michael Wilson, they've, they've really given him, they've thrown it all at him and said, yeah. you know, this is yours, do whatever you want, basically. Tom Butler, you were about to speak, say something about Skyfall. Yes, yeah, sorry. Well, just I, that was the point that we'd got to, and obviously, mm. you, as you were yeah. saying, they they'd sort of make that the apex of the story, don't they? That, 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 yeah. that film is mm. a huge triumph. And I do agree, I think it was a fantastic film. They put a lot of emotion into that um, uh, section of the of the um, of the mm. documentary. Obviously, got Judy Dench's uh, exit. They're talking about being a, a culmination, and also this discussion about 
building the family around Bond. And that is something that's a narrative that they're really pushing for No Time to Die again. So again, you've just got to remember that, you know, they're saying, don't forget we made Skyfall and that was brilliant. And we built this family around it. And guess what? Mm. That family's coming back. But then obviously, then we've got Spectre. um, (laughs) And... He was universally popular, though, at the time of Skyfall, the Olympics. It was like it was, it, the peak of his popularity. Absolutely, mm. yeah, absolutely. And he got that British Artist Award as well, which is something I, didn't, I, I don't remember happening at the time. But, no. no. Yeah. Harrison Ford doing a speech was pretty funny to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He doesn't like the press, does he? No, <laughs> no that's true. His Cowboys and Aliens co-star, Harrison Ford. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two downbeat leads. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Action. This is John Glenn. You're listening to 007 Podcast. Really 007. Really <laughs> 007. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Spectre. Heck, we got... Well, again, you know, I'd, I wouldn't have minded if they'd have said, this was a really great film, we're proud of it. The, it's just to make the whole focus of it that... It was bad, not because of a 200 million production with hundreds of writers, producers, stuntmen, you know, all these incredible people who've been involved in it. The main reason it, it wasn't as good is because there wasn't a nine month delay because of his injury. I mean, and now it's funny as well now because, of course, <laughs> nine months delay is nothing in the last few years. That's, that's, not, that's not anyone's fault, of course, other than the pandemics, but. No, I, just, I, I think they should have been less apologetic for it. I, yeah, I think yeah. they should have said about like that Mexico scene and the fact that they changed... Actually, they did say, you know, I think Michael G. Wilson likes, oh, it's an excellent scene or something, you know, yeah. which is great. And it, it would have just been, I don't know, you know, oh, right. yeah, and that, that was the one where, you know, me and Dave Bautista had the fight and, you know, we yeah. choreographed it and, you know, it, it came... Yeah, I, I think, yeah, it would have been nice to... Um, to see some of that and they shouldn't have felt they didn't need to apologise for it so I don't I, I didn't feel there was as much apology for this as there was for Quantum because I yes. think they've obviously got to say this is the yeah, you know absolutely. Night Time to Die is the continuation but I yeah. think it was quite telling at the start of the segment where they say you know Sam Mendes didn't want to do it yeah and yeah. almost you think well yeah. I don't think he ever wanted to do it even till the day he delivered the film um, <laughs> yeah. but um, uh, yeah but they weren't they weren't as I mean, they were nowhere near as effusive about this, you know, in praise um, oh, for this yeah. one as, as they were for, for, you know, Skyfall and Casino Royale. And, you know, I, I understand why, but I just think for this, and particularly as this is, this is you know, almost That's no it. time to die is the sequel yeah. to, to Spectre, you know. So they've just said, they could, they they've could just have said more. that two of the four films yeah. have been in, half of them have been in, sorry about them. And it Because they couldn't really say much about no time to die. It's a bit like, e- even us... Critics of all this sort of period would be like, no, no, they're better than that. You know, you don't just don't need to play them down so much. And they, they even didn't go as big on Casino Royale as they could have done, like you said, Chris. Mm. No, yeah, that's a, yeah. I can only assume that, that that Michael and Barbara spent the evening online <laughs> looking at social media, <laughs> looking at the reactions to all that, because it does reflect like what you read on social media. It's like you know, some people don't like Sky. Some people actually really do like Spectre. Yeah, Purdue's. Yeah. The wrong, but <laughs> but I think that, I think that um, it's just, again. It just feels a little bit strange that why aren't they saying actually we're proud of this film? You know, yeah. it has people. It's naysayers, but you know what? There's a lot in here that's great. But like you say, to, for it to start off on this kind of bum note of Sam didn't want to come back and do this, it suddenly it's yeah. just like oh right, oh, okay, it's a bit sour taste in your mouth. Thinking, well, it's bound to fail, isn't it? Because he yeah. wasn't really he wasn't really asked about turning up every day. Let's have a big explosion. And the plot's got to connect with No Time to Die. 
Interesting that they don't have any any input from any of the directors on the, no, on the film. No, there's or no co-stars or no. But that, that's interesting. Like you'd think, someone like Sam Mendes, obviously they quote him in the in the press conference, mm. but he's made half of Daniel Craig's Bond films at this point, and why he wasn't cons- or like why he isn't in the film. Who knows? Who knows what the whether in the full length version there are more talking heads from other people to praise him. Yeah, exactly. Right, you know, it's a mm. the camaraderie with Judy Dench and everything. Yeah, and it worked with him mm. previously to to, to Bond. You know, it's like there's all these other people who are actually in the Bond films that he had worked with separately, you know, outside of that franchise. You could have easily kind of connected the, the, the two together. Like I say, it's, it's such a strange documentary. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it that bit as well, it sort of says, it was Daniel who said, Barbara drives really hard bargain. So I was never going to get away with leaving after Spectre, which is, my, you know, what I was saying before, it, it was almost, it was pretty much intended, not definitely to be his last film. It, but, but they say that it was... It closed the chapter. They, they say it? that it was he meant goes to be away. his last film in, in the documentary. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can sense that at the end, right? It's got that sort of finality to it. Partly, I don't think Barbara's, like you said, she hadn't moved on. They hadn't got anything in prepared. You know, there was this interim period where years were going by before the, the pandemic. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And it was like, well, all right, let's just do another one and try and wrong the right the wrong somewhat of Spectre okay we've not seen it yet but it will be trying to meld them all together I think I can, there has to be doesn't there with because Christoph Waltz is in it Leah Sedu's in it Mr White uh, sorry not Mr White um, Jeffrey Wright uh, is it <laughs> slightly different but yeah they've got to sort of do it again haven't they? they've got to they've got to merge everything again so I don't know Did she say that they didn't even think to approach him for at least two years or something after that yeah what are they doing like which is just a really strange way of dealing with one of the biggest franchises in the world. It's like, well, let's not, let's not go near yeah. him. Let's Don't not have approach the subject for two years. He's just sat there with, the, with the knife there. next to his wrist. Like, <laughs> let's stay back. Yeah, it's stay like, it's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's really odd. Well, her like, father think, wouldn't have done that, would he? Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Well, yeah, exactly. You would have said, right, you're signed on. Here's the script. Let's get you know. Let's let's you know yeah. do this yeah. kind of as it is. But it is really strange how there is there is a certain amount of kind of I suppose sort of pussyfooting around him, and you can sort of see that with the producer credit, and you know the fact that they don't approach him for a couple of years after this, and then they do, and then it's like it's very much you know they're really teaching you know treating with sort of kid gloves, which previously none of the other actors would have that would not have happened. And I think that's is is that a sort of telling? I don't know. Is that to do with Wilson and and, and Broccoli kind of, you know, sort of 
like I say, going to that kind of more trying to be more critical and being much more careful and controlling. I don't, I, I don't know, but it, it seems very different to how it has been in in the past. Even you know, a few a few films previously with Pierce Brosnan, where it was very much like, oh, you want to do Casino Royale with uh, Quentin Tarantino? No, you're fired. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> that's it. It's the end. End of conversations. We're not even going to send you. You know, we'll, we'll you know. It's ridiculous, you know. But, but don't don't forget the way. yeah the behind the scenes stuff that was going on as well. You know, the Sony deal had ended. They had to find a new studio. Yeah. That was all going on behind uh, closed doors. They also had the MGM situation. You know, that studio is a shit show, right? And um, it still <laughs> is, like uh, until it gets sorted out. So these things, unfortunately, we're not living in the 1960s, 70s anymore where they can bash them out mm. every two years. Unfortunately, oh, no. they're so, they're, and, and also they're such big films now, right? I don't know what the budget for this one is, but what did they say for Spectre? It was like three hundred million or something, so which weird. is just why not just do a hundred yeah, million? A, 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 I don't yeah, understand. A huge beast of a movie. Um, so I don't know. I don't know whether I think probably you'd be surprised how much in conversation they are behind closed doors between the films because she's probably helping him produce things and what have you. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think this film's coming at the right time because I think if it, if they'd waited any longer to do another one, then it just would have been. Mm-hmm. I think it would have passed the point of no return. And I think almost now, because the film's been delayed, it, it nearly has passed the point of no return. But um, we can't <laughs> we can't control that. Just think it could have been out, what, two years ago? What, 2019 was the he, first release date, yeah. right? We could have been... Yeah, be another one. Yeah, we could have had another one now. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, An okay, again, of being negative, but the, one of the things that has caused a bit of uh, a bit of controversy between some people... There was a quote that Barbara said, I think it was Barbara, it might have been Michael, and a piece of music we alluded to earlier. So they said, Daniel brought an emotional complexity to the character that was in the books but never translated to the screen. I mean, that, gosh, I, you know, <laughs> that's not Daniel's fault that they've said that, you know, because he he's not responsible for what's gone before. But, you know, they are, and they, they, they you know, Barbara and Michael have been there throughout the Timothy Dalton era, you know, License to Kill, World is Not Enough, and you know, I'd, I'd, they're probably around for Honor Majesties, weren't they? Not, not to mention the odd, the odd bits in between. Again, playing on the future of No Time to Die and his legacy, rather than the legacy of Bond as a whole. And it was only Daniel himself who sort of that was good when he said, "I'm part of this mm. you know, Doctor No, Live and Let Die." I love how he mentioned Live and Let Die. Mm. That's the best. I think moment he said that's his favourite, doesn't he? I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how good is that? What a guy. But yeah, it's just the the honor managers theme at the end. It's it's playing with fire to an extent with some fans, but <laughs> you know the, the well, you know, like the we said, if nobody does it better was played, people might be like, well, no, that's Rogers' thing. That would be a little, and particularly because he died, you know, it would be in a little bit bad taste. I think it was more like this is an emotional journey. We need to sell a bit the love story we're going to be giving you in No Time to Die, or what's going to happen with that. I think that was why they did it, and because it's well, because it's an amazing piece of music that they've got the rights to. But what what do you think about that, Tom? The no one else has done the motion. Well, <laughs> I, again, I think you just got to remember that they're selling this film particularly, and like to be fair, Casino Royale did introduce a new level of you know um, romance to Bond that almost you know if we look back uh, on a Majesty's Secret Service, yeah, he gets married and it's a bit, it's almost over the top in, in in its portrayal. Whereas I think in Casino Royale, there's more nuance and um, almost depth, a little bit of depth to it. But 
Yeah, I think it's a bit of a misjudged comment saying we've never done it before. But then again, to the casual observer who thinks back and mm. thinks, oh, Mo- James Bond is Moonraker or James Bond is um, Diamonds Are Forever, then they'll probably say, oh, yeah, I don't think they have. Um, <laughs> but for us guys, you know, who like, you know, lap this stuff up yeah. and, and, and seek out the the emotional bits, I think it's, it does a little bit of disservice to Pierce Brosnan because they were very, they produced those films as well. And Pierce Brosnan was very vocal about bringing more emotion to Bond. And, you know, you do see Bond in a much more vulnerable way. But you, I, you've just got, I've just got to put it down to it being showmanship for this for this film and for this yeah, era. Yeah. This is the most emotional era. This is the most emotional ending for a series that we've ever done. And that's that's what they're pushing. Um, again, for, a, for 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 hardcore fans, it might be might seem a bit out of place, but I think for what it is, it's just got to be taken on face value. Unfortunately, it's worked. I think. I mean, the, the reception to it has been. I mean, okay, this is this is the reception on you know Bond the social media or whatever. But it, I think it's been ninety nine or hundred percent universally. I cried at the end. You know, oh, I'm gonna miss. Daniel Craig so much as Bond, I don't know what to do anymore. It's been no, it's been universally accepted, hasn't it? And I think all of us now are so excited for this; it can't go on any longer. You know, desperate to see this film and sort of just teasing us with this. It's it's a great trick, like you said, Chris. His agent. I don't know whether he was responsible for this, but it's one of the best things that they've they've done in terms of a successful media campaign. It's been absolutely brilliant i think and it's a bit of genius putting it on the for free on apple tv because it word of mouth it'd be like oh can i get that yeah it's free oh brilliant right i'll watch that and in this day and age you can just pick it up and watch it in four to five minutes i think it i think it will help uh, promote the film and i think it will help promote it as his last hurrah and yes he was the emotional bond let's see how this all ends and how it's all tied together i think you know and and to be fair you know a lot of the guys on twitter um who who really loved Daniel and his his time as Bond, you know. I'm pleased for them that they've got this this sort of goodbye almost, and it's not so for people who are Pierce. Then you know they're a bit more annoyed that he either you know he got treated the way he did, as we've discussed. Whereas this is very definitely now his end, and he gets a goodbye with a you know in a, in the nicest possible way. So you know the the. It's it's good for for those those big Daniel fans as well as you know the casual film fan as well and those who grew up with him as their bond I suppose yeah absolutely yeah the younger ones yeah yeah because <laughs> there are there are more of them about than than you think you did you did on social media I don't know whether it was you who did them Tom the the posters for being James Bond the Timothy Dalton story <laughs> and the Pierce Brosnan story but it, that's not Daniel's fault it should be the you know, we'd love the we'd love those as well, isn't it? It's not having a go at Yeah, we, we 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 need, or I think they need to give Pierce and, and Timothy the chance to tell their own stories at this stage because I think the fans would really really lap that up. And you could oh, do it. Hmm. You, you could even do it with archive footage for the other guys as well. I don't think Lazen B's gonna like. I mean, his documentary is tells the full story in itself, right? But um, I yeah, think yeah. you could do it for the other guys as well. And you know, 60th anniversary coming down the line, it might happen. You don't know, but I really want Pierce and uh, Timothy to be able to tell their own stories because I think we we had someone on our podcast, James from MI6. He said, you know, Timothy's never spoken about his time as Bond. Like he does quotes, but he's never like talked about what it meant for him to be James Bond. And I think that's what we want to hear. And we want to hear it from his side. And we want an open discussion about why he wasn't allowed to return for a third film or whether he didn't want to, whether he was pushed, whatever. I think we need to hear mm. that. I think it'd be great. I think oh. it'd be really uh, uh, be yeah, great fan service, I think. Good evening. 
If you're enjoying Really Double Shove and Pod, why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram? Look us up at Really Double Shove and Pod. Finally, it just Daniel's legacy. It's a bit difficult to answer that, isn't it, at the moment, because we haven't seen No Time to Die. But I suppose I'd ask that, Tom. What? How much of his legacy hinges on No Time to Die and how good that is? I, I don't know. We, it's something we often talk about because he's got two great films and two, two not-so-great films. Um, and whether this f- final film will secure his, his, his legacy, I think his legacy is secure. I think he, he did what, what needed to be done at the time and secured the series for another f- five films, which at the time seemed a little bit um, unlikely. Um, but... It, oh, oh, it will all hinge on what happens next, right? Because if we get another 15 years of uh, emotional, dark, uh, adult-aimed James Bond film, can the franchise sustain itself? I don't think it can because it's not going to draw in new audiences. It's just going to trade on its on its heritage. I think it needs to do something different. And maybe that's Daniel Craig's legacy is that it will be the opportunity to go in another direction. And hopefully that other direction Mm. is something a bit lighter, something a bit more fun. And I don't want to use Marvel as the template, but like they make action entertainment films that are funny, entertaining and are fit for all the family. And that's what we want from James. But that's personally what I want from James Bond uh, in the future. And I love and I love Casino Royale and I love Skyfall, but I just want I want a fun James Bond film next. And hopefully, I know that's like the opposite of his legacy, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but that could be where, where we get to next, perhaps. And variety as well. We want variety, don't we? So some of the other actors did, did both and it might need that melding of, Mm. can you do a bit of everything? But they certainly won't want to go down Dine of the Day. So they're going to have to go into that middle ground and do, Fairly fun stories, but with a little bit of steel. Yeah, dare I say, Mission Impossible as a template. But like, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it is interesting. This this documentary, you know, like Chris says, it does feel almost oh, a bit like an obituary. But for for me, it's it's uh, you know, it's highlighted that there have been many um, positive things that he's he's brought to the role more than I thought he would. And even though you know, you know, I, I've never. I never hid that he's probably he's not my favourite Bond, and his films, generally speaking, aren't my favourite Bond films. But yeah, I, I I actually felt a bit of frustration because for me, you know, I probably I don't quite like Casino Royale as much as as many others. But you know, I can recognise it's a good film, it's a good performance from him. There's loads of really good things about it, um, and Skyfall. I really enjoy watching that again. I'm not quite sure it's the absolute masterpiece that some people think some people think it is. That's just my opinion. But I really enjoy watching it. The other two. You know that have their have their problems, and but uh, you know they're not. Uh, there are decent things within them, as as we've said. But I, I just a bit of frustration that they couldn't have maybe just tried and aimed for a like an eight out of ten rather than. I don't know. I, I feel like they've aimed, you know the stars. Yes, and like everything has to be played to this personal vendetta and everything about him. And I felt a bit of frustration because I I was thinking, oh, I, you know, I'd love to have seen him. Um, just in like a solid adventure. I'm not, you know, personal things could happen al- along the way. As in, you know, I, I, I know we always say this, but like Saunders in the, the Living Daylights, you know, a supporting character who you don't know before, you know, who Bond didn't know before, and but you know, ha- he, he gains an you know emotional connection to him, and then his his death means something. So he, and, and that brings out good acting in, in Timothy Dalton as Bond. So I think I would have I would have 
liked, you know, something like that. I would have liked to see him, and I don't know whether we might get to see this, but I, I'd like to have seen him in, in scuba gear. I think that would have, um, you know, that's something <laughs> it's, it's always good to see the Bond actors in scuba gear, ski mm-hmm. gear, you know, obviously black tux, white tux. Um, Trunks. Well, yeah. <laughs> you got that. Yeah. Um, and there, there's an, obviously a poker table, those sorts of things. It's, it's good to kind of um, see them in then. So, yeah, I felt a bit of frustration and, and you know, I, Given that he are, he has affection for the role, you know he's 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 going to miss it. People are really going to miss him. I felt a bit of frustration that there wasn't at least one more solid, really good, you know, really good film that you want to stick on all the time for him. No Time to Die might well be that, but again, that's sort of three out of five, which is a worse worse ratio really than than other actors. So yeah, I I, I think you know given you know I agree with what with what Tom says uh, you know it'll, it'll be interesting to see what what happens next I think they could go for you know try and go for a bit of light and shade so there could be a more you know you can have a Moonraker followed by a followed by a you know for your eyes only and that's why I think you know Pierce could have done a darker one after Dying of the Day we'll you know we won't ever know that about that and I also think I know his 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 kind of his face look it does look a bit more sort of weathered and older uh, at the moment but i i am um, i don't i don't particularly mind that and I, I i don't see his age as a problem and you know his age he, he's always thrown himself at the role, role physically you know with, with the stunt work as we've said so for me i think he's you know he's done some solid things i've enjoyed his performances in other films as well i've watched quite a few of them recently he's a, he's a really good actor i'm sure he'll get plenty of parts um well beyond well beyond bond i think um that i've seen quite a lot recently about similarities between between him and Sean I think some of that's correct I think he has that sort of nonchalance and the uh I don't know you know the way he carries himself you, you know a bit like the um fire alarm Tom that you know in Thunderball elbowing yeah. the fire alarm yeah. I think I can imagine Daniel doing that maybe possibly glimmers of it. May, maybe yeah. possibly more than the others I think what something I would have liked to have seen and again we'll see in this film is a bit more respect for authority and I know that sounds babyish but when comparing him to Sean when Sean's getting chastised by M he like he has his hands behind his back and sort of drops his head a little bit as though you know he's being told off whereas Inspector when Ray finds his M is chastising him he's like just cockily facing him up and uh, just gives him a bit of cocky answer to it so that that's something I would have liked to have seen seen a bit more in in his roles but he, I think I think overall it will have been a positive thing for for him and you know fans in general yeah, I think I think for me, uh, the, the sort of Daniel Craig legacy feels, and I think that's been really backed up with the, the like we mentioned before about the sort of that international trailer. It was very much that this is Daniel Craig's tenure as as Bond is coming to an end. So it's very much his journey as Bond, you know, from getting you know sort of getting his sort of double O agent kind of you know license to kill to resigning it depends where you want <laughs> resigning like which stage <laughs> of those films there are but it feels like his films are, are sort of in a bit of a silo i find that they're so different to the other bond films that it's, it's kind of difficult to sort of see them being sort of connected in the way that you know that, that when rogers mentioned something about being married or you know tim said something about being married it felt like you were still part of that franchise you're still part of that Sort of family of films, but because of this kind of reboot, sort of you know, with you know Bond Begins and all that kind of thing, it feels that like he's sort of sat outside of that, you know, for better or worse. And I think that that it's 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 difficult to see them 
I, I, like I say, maybe it's just me see them being part of this big sort of overarching franchise of this is the Bond character going through all these adventures and this sort of thing's happening to him. I think the the it's. I suppose for me, the, the sort of concentrating so much on the emotion is is almost you know it's a product of its time, like all Bond films are, and clearly they are trying to, you know, when we talk about the Bond films, the, the, the sorry, the Bond films, we talk about Mission Impossible, they are clearly influencing the, the you know the franchise. Like Bond has always been influenced by other franchises and popular culture, which I think is fine, but I think that it's also sort of quite clear that that from this documentary that Daniel Craig wanted to make the best film, the best Bond films he could make. They might not necessarily be the, the Bond films that I want to see or what I want that, that character to go into that direction. But I think it's quite clear that it, at times he was, he gave it his all, you know, if you can sort of mm. forget all the sort of the press mishaps and sidesteps and all that sort of stuff. He was clearly on set every day, giving it his all, you know, whether it was stunts, whether it was, you know, input on, you know, the script or the story, all that sort of stuff. Again, you know whether that's what I want from an actor or what what his vision of that character is is to be kind of argued over. But I think clearly he he cared a lot about you know being Bond and trying to make it his own. I, th- I suppose his legacy will be as like we'd mentioned before. I can't imagine them doing this again. I can't imagine them doing another reboot. I think it would be very much. I think the audience are craving for. And they've touched on this, you know, with the, you know, No Time to Die. It's something fantastical. You know, we've kind of left, you know, Die Another Day behind and we kind of slagged that off because it was too fantastic. It was too over the top. But now we've gone to very sort of back to the base, you know, back to basics, very gritty ish, you know, kind of approach to the character. And now we've got, we're sort of slowly moving back into end-of-the-world kind of scenarios where Bond has to come in and, and save the day rather than a kind of personal, you know, like you say, the, the problems that we have with the other films are the too sort of personal. It's always about him, and that's what made those films feel quite small. And I've mentioned that in the past, that it's not the adventure, it's not the mission, it's about him. Everything's Everyone comes to him, it's always about him, his involvement, his character, his, you know, and the rest. So I think I think his legacy would be that the next one is, I don't know, and maybe maybe not a massive, big, huge. You know, where do we go now? Is it three hundred million dollars? Is it four hundred million dollars? You know, and we're looking at kind of TV series. You know, with the Lord of the Rings series getting you know the billion dollars for a TV series. Mm. Where does it end? But to be honest with you, and obviously Amazon will be paying for the next one. I think that that. I would rather see them just being just just being a bit more kind of balanced. I think this, you know, that with Casino Royale was very sort of gritty, and they, they decided to go along this line, and they thought, oh, we've hit a note where the audience likes the the emotionality of his character, and you know, the idea that that that's never been touched on before is is frankly ridiculous. It's just that that's what it's been sold. That's that's the trailer, isn't it? It's like this is emotional bond. Here he is crying. Here he is being much more in touch with his feelings. Here he is growing as a character. But clearly, in all of the Fleming books, he's grown as a character. In all of Connery films, and you know, look at and Her Bad Series. Look at what Timothy Dalton did. Even Roger Moore, his character grows over those films. He's not in View to a Kill. He's not the same Bond as he is in you know Living Daylights. They're not the same. Um, and I think that's not down to the fact that it's clearly the actor's aged. I think it's because they, they kept, they've taken on board that the character has experienced much more, and just those little subtle drops of 
you know, oh, this has happened before. I think w- goes so far. Uh, so I'd like to go back to that. I'd like I'd like more subtlety in in his, the portrayal of Bond. You don't have to, you know, kind of, you know, kind of put up a, a you know, a signpost every time he's being deep, every time he's being emotional, every time he's doing something that the other Bonds haven't done. I think it's that in itself is just it's really quite cack handed. I'd like to, to go back to Bond is a very sophisticated character, but he also can go off and save the world and he can also be funny and he can also have fun. And like what Tom was saying before about that's where he, really we need to get back to is that sense of fun. And I know they've tried to do that with Spectre and I don't know what it would be like in No, no Time to Die, but the humour, certainly no, I struggle to see the sense of fun in Spectre. I can see the humour. I can see that that's an, an, an intended scene of this is supposed to be a quip, this is supposed to be humour, doesn't necessarily work. But I would like to see a more of a sense of fun that this is this is something that we maybe need to rein it in again and make it more of a family-focused film. Not, not you know, PG, but just something that more that, that, that younger children can be kind of, be part of because that like you know that is the future audience right now we've got you know and you see that on social media there's a very much a chunk of people who brought who who experienced daniel craig and then went back and looked at other bond films but craig is their bond and that's their represent you know that is their representation of the character of bond and i think that's kind of well not not worrying it's just you know who is your favorite bond and that says so much about when you were born and the culture that you lived in but i think i think we need to sort of rein it in and for it to be much more kind of a lighter touch is basically what i'd like i'd like it to be a bit more fun more kind of you know the summer blockbuster kind of vibe that the, the, the originals have you can be adult you can have aim for these films to be adult in the but you don't have to alienate everyone else to be adult so i'd like that i'd really like that i think that, that you know craig's films are the quality is you know a bit up and down <laughs> there are bumps <laughs> um, um but i think that uh, overall where are the think, bumps you know he's where are the bumps I suppose I don't know. Is it better than it was the end of Die Another Day? I don't know. That's a matter of opinion, isn't it? It's that's very much an opinion thing. It's it's still big box office, you know. And we are we're in a very strange time mm. where we've had this film has been delayed for an incredibly long period of time, and this talk of it being potentially delayed again, I don't think it will. But I think that that for, if it is a big hit, like you know the latest Marvel film, I think I think that says it all really. That that, that Craig has captured a certain generation's, you know, imagination, and I think that that can't be a mm. bad thing. Maybe, like, again, it, maybe it isn't for me. You know, maybe maybe I can I can critique his choices as as a, as a Bond character. But if we can leave his tenure and leap on to something else bigger, better something different at least it keeps going and i think that's that that, that can only be a really good thing isn't mm. it you know the the longest most successful franchise if you can leave it where it isn't like <laughs> direct to dvd you know i suppose that i, mean, I suppose that's a yeah, good yeah. thing if it's not yeah exactly the early it's not Pierce netflix Brosnan, you know, you know, film of the month it's getting cinema released that the, you know they're the putting a lot of money into that a lot of money into the advertising a lot of money into the promotion i think that's a g- good place to leave the bond franchise frankly gosh chris there's so much uh, to come <laughs> back on brilliant stuff <laughs> to come back it, on yeah to can. come back on you know no no just as in you you really have made me think about a few things particularly how this franchise is sold is quite a big thing so 
really up until Daniel Craig, up until Casino Royale, it was sold as this is Bond, he's mm-hmm. back, doing what he does best. And it, that's all it needed to do. It's just, yeah, we'll have the Bond girls, we'll have the action in, we'll have the dinner jacket, we'll have the quips, that's it. You know what you're going to get. And the audience aren't going to be worried. That I think that's why John was saying before that mm-hmm. World is Not Enough took risks more than any other because there was no need to take a risk in a sense. You know, Tomorrow Never Dies was a sort of by-the-numbers Bond film that was successful and people would have been quite happy with to go along that direction. So to go a bit more, you know, darker and take push the envelope in terms of the female villain, all that. What I was saying was that there's never really had to sell the franchise until this sort of Casino Royale. They were trying to sell you mm-hmm. this is gritty Bond, this is realistic Bond. But I don't think they intended to set out that this is emotional Bond. I think that was just for that film. Mm. I, I really do. And they didn't have a plan going forward. Because this this Bond documentary, this what we're talking about here, we're meant to be talking about, being James Bond, is sort of selling you the narrative of a five-film arc. It's the emotional Bond. It's all in that. And even um, Michael G. Wilson himself said that Quantum didn't work because it, it wasn't focused enough on Bond's journey. Yeah. I'm not even sure that's true at all, but mm-hmm. you can see that they're trying to sort of make it out like... Well, Spectre was trying to retcon the whole thing, wasn't it, with... Mm. Obviously, that was more to do with the rights, so that, you know, that's why they did that. And No Time to Die is trying to sort of say, oh, no, that wasn't quite it, Bond, it's all going to be over. We're pushing it. I I'm okay, I've not seen it, but it, it's clearly going to end as if that, that will be the very end of this Bond. They're not, it's not going to be sort of left as a, just another mission, is it? Like, there's no way they're going to end it like that. So I, I generally don't think that was intended, and I generally don't think that's what it's been, the five films... Skyfall was mainly people came back to see it, older people, mm-hmm. because it was quite traditional in some respects. And it went, oh, look, remember that DB5? Remember that the joke about the ejector seat? Yeah. The joke about the pen and, and this kind of thing. It ha- Okay, it wasn't a typical Bond film because it was still more emo- sorry, more personal and then emotional by the end. But then you have Spectre and it's like, oh, yeah, we've got Blofeld back. We've got an origin story for his Scar, even though that was only in one film. It, those those two things require you mm-hmm. to love the old franchise, so they're not. Yeah. It's not confident enough to think that, yeah, you were with us in Quantum and we've continued this journey of this guy. Yes, they're selling a they're selling a documentary, they're selling a film, and they want you to buy it. You know, so you'll get casual fans saying, "But oh yeah, the casual Bond fan who likes Craig won't go on about the emotion of him." They will say. Oh, he was the one where I could believe he could kill a man. That, they'll all say that. No one will say, oh, he was the one I believe could fall in love. I've never heard anyone say that. Yes, it is a sort of goodbye obituary, as you say, Chris, type journey for journeys that annoying word, isn't it, again? That we have to sell everything like this, and it was all gearing towards this. But James Bond films, they live and die on what should I throw on this afternoon? Oh, that's quite a good one, and I'll put that on, and oh, and my, my son, my daughter can watch this. You know, some of them will work like that, some of them won't, but I've never thought about it as much as until you've said it, Chris, as well, that it's definitely in a bubble, it's in a silo, this film. So when the next one comes, are they going to reattach it to the originals and just assume knowledge? Because they can't can't have an origin story yet again, they can't do that. So it is just going to have to be, oh, this is another Bond film, and that is effectively saying... You can ignore yeah, those last I think, few. I, I suppose it all depends on whether Brock and Wilson are still 
producing the, the the next iteration because I think that that if you look at what's happened, you know, in in the time, it's like what has happened to Spider Man. I know it's very different kind of you know sort of uh, character and everything. Mm. What's happened to that franchise in the time that we've had the Bond? You've got three actors. <laughs> you know, we're potentially the new one has all of them in. <laughs> you know, it is. Yeah, it, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. You had, you had three origin, origin story, stories, three films, origin story two films then the third sort of iteration decided we don't want the origin because the audience understands that he's bitten by a radioactive spider and that's it yeah. <laughs> bitten by the bug the, <laughs> sorry it, it, popular culture everyone knows that james bond is a spy and that's where you start i think if you've got a, if you if you have with a blank page you start off james bond is a spy whose job it is to save the world you don't need to know what his background is with what his parents are that is that is that's flesh on the bone but when it comes to the plot when it comes to actually presenting that to the to the audience they know that everyone knows that you know you say who's james bond you may not have seen a james bond film but you'll say well he's, he's the spy you know he's that i know that franchise i know that film I've skipped over it on ITV. Mm. You know, I've thought, oh, that's not for me. It's boring. But people know it. He's he's so popular. He's part of the zeitgeist. So why are we, why do we have to feel that we have to go back to show that? Surely it's more interesting to reference that. And I think that that's mm. definitely for this, that you, what ha- happens next. You have to start with everyone knows who James Bond is. What are we going to do with that character that is actually interesting and how can we capture audiences and that's what it is at the end of the day is how can we make this popular against so much competition whether it's marvel whether it's mission impossible whether it's you know just just cinema actually going to the cinema you know and not Mm, streaming you know that is that is going to be really tough but i do think that that the the character is so appealing to so many people new and old that you've got you've already got an audience raring to go um, it's just a case of who you cast. I think there's a, there's a lot to be said about that, and the direction you go in is: should we do we need we need to really balance, you know, the the light and the dark, because that's what Bond is. He is, you know, he, he is, you know, people say oh, he's an assassin. Oh, he's not an assassin. He, you know, he works for the British government. But at the end of the day, he kills an awful lot of people. You know, you know. Not well, I do think that, you, know, you need John to sort of weigh that up. And, and then it's a case of, well, you know, there's like like a sort of diagram, isn't there? It's like too dark, too light, too much action, you know, too much character. And you just need to hit hit that sweet spot. Well, yeah, we need to, to have Octopussy. We need, and honestly, there are so many <laughs> templates you can go back to. We can just look at the structure of those films and go, maybe we need to, to, to consider that. Not steal the plots, not to, to, to steal that, but just to go, right, how do we balance light and dark and action characterization and i think that's really down that's key to the producing partnership with amazon and also getting some decent writers who understand structure and what plot is <laughs> i think it's interesting this because i've, I've thought more when we've since we've been discussing it and you know in the documentary they talk about you know the family we wanted to bring the family and it's you know they're in this in no time to die and everything I can't see that any of them will return now um, no. with the new actor. So they're going to, yeah. you know, we did sort of say, mm-hmm. oh, it'd be quite nice if Ray Fiennes carried on as, as M. But I, I, just, I don't know if I can see it, to be honest. I, I, think, I think Ben Whishaw said yeah, so he's yeah. finished. Us. They don't realise. I, I just wonder if they might, Barbara might think, no, I'm, 
I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm done now. I don't want to have to reinvent someone again. And uh, I don't know. I might be wrong. I mean, because it means, but they might like take a step back and be like executive <laughs> producers or something like that, and not be as hands on. It's it's so fascinating to to see what will what will happen. It's the biggest point, and I think this is the, yeah. the biggest point in the franchise. Make or break. Never mind. Die another day, or man with the golden gun, or something yeah. like that. I mean, this is golden. This is yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, golden eye was probably the biggest, wasn't it, up until mm. then? But that was only because of delay, but- changing taste with audiences in that time. Nowadays, six years can go by, and it's not the it's not necessarily the films that yes. change. It's the the way the films are distributed and the way that you know you, streaming wasn't mm-hmm. even really around when Spectre came out and things like that. And nowadays, you don't sort of oh, what DVD should we have on tonight? It's just like, press this button, what's on there, what's quick, right, put mm. that on, that's the end of it, good night. Mm-hmm. Audiences are far less patient now, and I, I'd say, I mean, it's a very dad quote, but for the next one, play your ace cards, play your trump cards. What do people love about Bond the most? You've got such a good catalogue to go out of, of instant things that people love to watch. There's no, there's no harm in playing it safe. In terms of the marketing for it, it sells itself, like I say, and... Get a get a charismatic Bond guy that yeah. people will enjoy and they'll buy into, and you're done. You really, you really are. You can be. I know it might be quite a big thing because it'll be the first time probably that we'll have to have a new MQ. Everyone will probably have to be new, so mm. they might. I don't. Know, I don't want to do a sort of oh, we won't have Q in this one, and we, you know, we won't have uh, Money Penny. You know, we'll give her an origin story and stuff. They'll probably all have to come into it at once, which is going to be. No mean feat. I mean, Martin mm. Campbell said, doesn't he? He'd, he'd be up for a new Bond in terms of uh, shaping again. And it, you know, we, you know us, we'd, we'd love a Martin Campbell or John Glenn to be involved in some executive producer capacity at some point. <laughs> I mean, I know he said he was gathering moss, John, but goodness me, he, his ideas and his, mm-hmm. just he knows what the audience wants. That's that's what is needed. And the producers need to trust uh, trust the family, not the family who were the uh, Spectre yeah, I think, Avengers I think that having someone it's that you know and that I think that goes to show what a strong guiding hand you know Cubby Broccoli had over the franchise is that he's able to you're you know hiring directors and you know and, and believing in the cast and and using the same writers again and again because they were able to deliver they were able to sort of they, they understood the franchise and I don't want to sound it sound like you know that it's this formula. You know, it's not a pre-packaged thing. It's not it's not a you know a happy meal, but they understood what audiences wanted, but was able to reflect the changes in the audience and the culture at the same time. And I, I feel that 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 we re- we desperately need someone who can just you know some fresh blood in there. And I think that that it would be interesting to see again with it, with it, with the casting, do you go with someone who's unna- or unknown or do you go, do you cast someone who isn't necessarily the best choice, but is likable, who is the sort of the people's choice, <laughs> you know, someone who is the people will get behind. Oh, of course he's, you know, mm. everyone loves that actor, you know, that's who you, you choose for it. And then you sort of build it. I don't know, but I, I do, I do think that it needs to be, you know, some, some change. And I do think there needs to be more kind of balance in, franchise back in the force <laughs> <laughs> I feel a, what is it? a something in the force disturbance I feel a disturbance in the force yeah dear me gosh anyway it's uh, snuck upon us the documentary not the film goodness me no time to die mm-hmm. 
Certainly. Well, even that though, you know, it's so close now. It's it's getting to mm. heck. This is really going to happen, and it's just going to take about five viewings to analyse it, isn't it? Because it's nearly three hours long anyway. Well, you know, there's so much to devour. Okay, thanks for Tom for coming on. We can check out your podcast, uh, James One A to Z. We're, we're all looking forward to No Time to Die. So thanks for coming on, Tom. And uh, thank good you evening, very much. Sir. Yeah, the, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at James Bond A to Z, um, and you can find me uh, on Twitter at Tom Butler as well. But yeah, thank yeah. you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I've been wanting to come and speak to you guys for a long time. Keep up the good work. Yes, we will be back with more No Time to Die based episodes, amongst others, and other interviews, which pretty much going to have to be on the back burner because there's going to be a wave of uh, I don't know tributes and sort of this period of hang on what was art all about let's watch it again let's analyse it again let's put it all together mm. in the five film set let's put it together in the 25 film set and how on earth does it sit and then there's the whole where do we go from here where, where do we go next in terms of the franchise which we've talked a little bit about tonight but thank you guys for joining me thank you Math, Chris and Tom and we will be back very soon so thanks for listening Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.